What's up, Hoop Ball Nation? It's Brandon Marcus from the Hoop Ball Clippers podcast. We're chatting about an exciting time in Clipperland with Kawhi Leonard and Paul George looking to lead the team to an NBA title. Tune in to hear guests ranging from TV voice Brian Seaman and radio voice Noah Eagle to various beat writers and team bloggers. Follow the podcast on Twitter at Hoop Ball Clips and follow me at BD Marcus. Looking forward to having you tune in. The following is a Hoop Bowl presentation. I can't quite put my finger on it. I've been thinking, I've been trying to muddle through and figure it out, but there's something about the Western Conference and Game 7s. There just is. Yo, yo, yo. Welcome to another edition of NBA Today. I am your host, Corbin Ford, with the most, as you know. Check me out at CorbinNBA on Twitter. You know what? Might as well, since you're here, look at me up on IG at NBA Barbarian. Just do it. Make you feel better. Anyways, this is a HoopBall presentation. You know what I'm about to say. Check out the fine folks at HoopBall on Twitter, at HoopBallTweets, and online, www.hoop.com. Dashball.com for your fantasy perspective, all the NBA knowledge you need. I mean, it, it, team podcasts, I can go on and on. There's so much great content that you can check out at Hoopball. Why not be a part of that? Team podcasts, including several of the teams that are currently in the NBA playoff bubble as we speak. I mean, and, they, and the podcasts come out quick, they come out heavy. I mean, you're getting everything you want. So make sure to do that, all right? Now to the NBA. Uh, whew, what another glorious day of NBA action. Because we've had some teams eliminated, as we all know, we are down from three games or four games a night to two games a night. But you know what? The quality is there. You had uh, another opening game of the second round between the Miami Heat and the Milwaukee Bucks. And then you had a battle between the Rockets and Thunder. And as I said, it's a game seven now, so you know how that turned up for OKC. We'll get into that. But first, we have to talk about the Miami Heat. Now, <clears throat> I'm not going to lie. My initial re- reaction or perspective on this matchup between the Heat and Bucks is that, you know what, the Heat had Bam Adebayo, they have Jimmy Butler, they have some pieces that could make it, you know, kind of difficult for Milwaukee. But at the end of the day, Milwaukee, you know, still has the best player, <laughs> arguably, very much arguably, in the NBA. You still have a guy in Chris Middleton who is as solid as they come. I mean, you have enough pieces that the Heat should be more, nothing more than like a six-game speed bump. Well, surprise, surprise. Coming out the way they did, the Heat topped the Bucks 115-104. to 104. Jimmy Butler went off for 40, a playoff career high for him. He scored 14 of those in the fourth quarter. Goran Dragic added 27, and the Heat just took totally, totally took the Bucks out of the game. It just felt like Chris Middleton got it going. You know, Giannis's numbers will always end up looking good um, at the bottom line. And even these numbers, while not great, 18 points, 10 rebounds, 9 assists. I mean, it still looks like a near triple-double. 50% from the field, 2 of 5 from 3. But this is where you look at the issue. So, from the free throw line, the dude shot 33% from the free throw line. He led the Bucks in getting to the line. 12, you know, 12 different shot, 12 free throw attempts. He was 4 of 12 from there. That's not great. Especially when a playoff game like this, where the margin can be very thin, in this case it was a nine-point loss, you have to make those points count. You have to cash those in. A lot can go in between the margins, but you got to knock down your free throws. Another thing, 
we knew the Heat were going to bring a strategy that they brought to the table before against Milwaukee, which is trying to form that wall immediately. As soon as Giannis is going up the court, you have Bam Adebayo or whoever's sticking Jay Crowder, whoever's sticking Giannis, immediately set up shop and then bring two people, you know, from the weak side or strong side also to kind of cramp in and make things tough. Invite Giannis to take the jump shot. We all know the book is there on that. Invite him to take the jump shot. Um, if he wants to take the three, by all means, two of five doesn't look bad on the stat sheet, but he knocked down his two relatively early, and he just didn't have a rhythm. In the fourth quarter, the dude had three points. One of three from the field, one of four from the free throw line. You're the best player in the NBA, arguably. Again, all this talk about him being an MVP candidate, which I, I'm fully with, but I, I don't like performances like these, that there's a recipe here. This This can be sustained, in my opinion. It just, he did not look very aggressive on the offensive end there. And defensively, here's my thing. Jimmy Butler is cooking everybody. Wesley Matthews, Pat Connaughton, it didn't matter. He was getting his. Chris Middleton, it didn't matter. Jimmy was getting his. You have the Defensive Player of the Year award winner on your team. And you got him on the weak side second, Jerry Crowder? Jay Crowder, y'all. No offense to Jay. Perfectly serviceable player in his own right. But he ain't cooking you for 40. He just isn't doing that. For reference, Gene Butler, 13 and 20 from the field, knocked down both his threes, 12 and 13 from the free throw line. That's how you connect on the free throw line. Jay Crowder, 9 points, 3-8 shooting, 3-7 from 3, 9 rebounds. Okay. Oh, you know, the defensive player of the year really held him in check, y'all. <laughs> yeah. I don't get it. When asked about it, it felt like Giannis was almost offended to even have been asked that question. He's like, hey, you know, coach didn't put me there. Why would you even ask me? Why would they even ask you, Giannis? Because you're the defensive player of the year. I'm studying my words. I don't understand it. You're the defensive player of the year. It's your job. It's your responsibility. You see someone taking the edge there, you put the clamps on him. How many players in the annuals of NBA history have been like, you know what, assign me to him. I'm going to lock him down. I'm going to make it a personal challenge. He is cooking our team. He is leading the Miami Heat. He is rallying them together. He cannot be stopped. But guess what? I can go up there and I can take that challenge. No, you're just going to sit on the weak side. Not even really a, a, a factor defensively. Just sitting there. He had a cool block on, on Jimmy Butler early in the game off a dunk attempt. Yay, look nice. It'll show up in the highlights. That's great. But that? Are you kidding me? Also, all of that, one steal, one block. The one block I just referenced, he had a steal in there too. So it's not like he was on the weak side doing anything. He was just sitting there. He also had six turnovers. Miami Heat's defense just seemed to flummox the Bucks at every turn. They didn't really have anyone going. Aside from Chris Middleton, who he cooled off a little bit. Again, his numbers are good. 50% from the field from three, six rebounds, five assists, 28 points, four threes. Solid, right? But he's not putting the team on his back. He had a couple of, of stretches where he, he was leading the Bucks, kind of manufacturing that offense to keep them along. Brooke Lopez helped as well, 24 points, only one rebound. Dude, I, I know Brooke Lopez historically isn't a great rebounder, but dude, you're seven feet tall. You can't walk into like three. <laughs> I just find that funny. Anyways, he had 24 points, knocked down four threes, really effective. That was really it for the Milwaukee Bucks in their offense. Chris Middleton, Brooke Lopez, Wait a little bit, go to Giannis, and then you're getting, you know, a few points from George Hill, um, a few points from Wesley Matthews, a couple threes from them. And I think the the cracks are starting to show. For the Bucks credit, they did hold um Duncan Robinson pretty much in check. Four points, one of four from the field. That was a three. And he had a free to go with it. Three assists. He he didn't do anything. But when Goran Dragic can go wild like he has, and his sense of timing, getting to the basket, his finishes, his his sleight of hand in terms of, you know, when to release and, and when to 
craft his attacks to keep the Milwaukee Bucks defense on their heels, it's worked. It really has. And while Bam Adebayo isn't really going to show on the stat sheet as far as 5 or 12 from shooting super great, 12 points, 17 rebounds, 6 assists, he had his hand in every part of the game as well for Miami. He did. Off the bench, Tyler Hero didn't really shoot the best, but he had a dagger 3. Kendrick Dunn's back in the rotation. Andre Godala did Andre Godala things. I mean, you see what happened here. The Miami Heat played like they did, and Milwaukee did not rise to the challenge. But what is concerning to me is that the signs of victory for the Heat showing weaknesses for the Milwaukee Bucks that we already saw little bits and pieces of in the Orlando Magic series. And I'm sorry, the Heat aren't the Magic. They have the weapons to make you pay over a sustained period of time. They do. They just do. Again, we can hope that, you know, Milwaukee will bounce back, make it competitive. We're sure they will. I mean, it's it's the best team in the NBA. They're not just going to take that lying down. But Miami, they struck first blow. They hit him in the mouth, as I, as I like to say. They got him real quick, and it remains to be seen how the Bucks will respond. But Butler, man, Butler had himself a game. He's the only players, aside from LeBron James and Dwayne Wade, to have 40-point playoff efforts for Miami. Craziness. Also, I hate to be that person to kind of dump on the Philadelphia train, but you know what? Joel Embiid did it on Twitter, sort of, kind of, backhandedly, not really. Imagine how Jim Butler would look right now with the Philadelphia 76ers. Well, not right now, because obviously they're home, but you know what I mean. Just imagine a go-to guy who lives for the moments, who would have taken some toughness, who would have, you know, had some clutch shot making, who would double as the de facto point guard, given the Philadelphia 76ers some type of backup help. There was a funny thing I saw on Twitter today. I can't fully recall, but I remember enough of it. Basically, over the four games that Philadelphia played, Al Horford basically totaled 28 points, while Jimmy Butler in this one game had 40. And more three-pointers than Horford hit in that series. Not a knock on Horford, just imagine how much more valuable Jimmy Butler would be for the 76ers. It's not that hard to think about, is it? Not really. Not at all. Yeah, I'm not trying to, like, you know, tick on anybody's parade or make anyone look bad or anything of the sort, but it, it just goes to show you that Philadelphia, man, front office is, is, is terrible terrible as as uh charles Barkley would say terrible we'll talk about them more like i said plenty of off-season content we'll dive deep into some of these teams break down where they can go from here all that good jazz but right now let's uh let's keep it moving so in case you couldn't tell by this playoff edition of nba today sports are back sports are back baby sports are back okay i said it three times think i did enough my bookie's back with the sports my bookie's amazing home run, slam dunk, triple overtime, game winner, all that good stuff. We all love it. You love it. I love it. That should be all you need to hear in order to start betting right now. My bookie is up to the minute odds on all your favorite teams. And guess what? The NBA playoffs are here right now. So I don't think there's been a better time to start playing. With my bookie, it's easy. You bet, you win, they pay. Let's talk about baseball just for a second. I'm not a baseball guy, but if you're feeling good about your MLB team's chances this year, be sure to check out MyBookie's World Series Future Bets because nothing shows you believe in your squad more like betting on them before the season's even begun. Let's take it from baseball. Let's go back to basketball. As a Lakers fan from 2014-2018, I've been with Jeremy Lin, Carlos Boozer, Wesley Johnson, Ryan Kelly, Robert Sacre. I ride or die with my team knowing that we were destined to the lottery every year during that time, and I still thought we'd make the playoffs. Delusional? I think not. I think it shows how good I am about my team. And you can do that with yours on my bookie. But why stop with baseball? Why stop with basketball? Because guess what? 
Some are betters. They're always looking for the future. And in this case, that means hockey. That means football. Already mentioned basketball. Already got baseball. They're accepting future bets on online sports betting. Why not try it now? So I'm going to help you right here, right now. Join today, today, and my book, you match your deposit 100%. Plus, they'll toss you a free $10 MLB future wager. So you can try that baseball thing we were talking about. All you got to do is enter promo code HOOPBALL. H-O-O-P-B-A-L-L. All together now. HOOPBALL. One word, hoopball, when signing up. Remember, my bookie, the terms are pretty, pretty simple, y'all. You bet you win, they pay. Come on. All right, y'all, my gears are absolutely grinded. As a Russell Westbrook stand fan, whatever you think, I have to represent for my guy right now. Yes, he made some critical turnovers in the Rockets' game six loss to the Thunder. Yes, he did. No doubt about it. Yes, he airballed a key shot, and he had the temerity to hold the pose in a 104-100 loss to the Thunder. Yes, but let's not get on the man like he is not one of the best players in the NBA, top 25 to 30. Just saying, let's not do that. Every win by Chris Paul is not a referendum on how horrible Russell Westbrook is. I won't stand for it. I see on the timeline, I won't stand for it. I just won't do it, all right? If you look at the numbers, just look at the numbers, because if he shot 8 for 53 or 8 for 32, which Russell has done before, then we'd all be on that. But right now, we're going over the turnovers, and yes, they were horrible. But if you look at the stat line, 53% shooting from the field, 8 of 15, you know, 4 rebounds, 3 assists, he's working his way back into form, he's had a very tricky injury, I mean, let's cut the guy some slack, right, that's all I'm saying, yes, I get it, Chris Paul scored 28, yes, he scored 15 of that in the 4th quarter, that is amazing, Chris Paul's the point, God, we know this, we know this, but let's not act like, because Chris Paul's so great, we have to knock on Russell Westbrook, alright, We've dumped, we went over this trade several different times. We've seen the Rockets and their continued metamorphosis into becoming this freak small ball lineup and how that's worked for Russell Westbrook. And now that he's not 100% and he made some bad plays in key games, we're going to jump on him. Chris Paul's done the same thing. Okay? I'm just saying, it's not a who won the trade, although this will continue on and on. I could see us doing this two years from now when, you know, Chris Paul's playing for the Knicks and, and Russell's still playing for the Rockets or whatever. And we're like, who won the Chris Paul Russell Westbrook trade? Both teams made the trade because they benefited their teams. And guess what? For both teams, I'd say the returns have been pretty positive. So let's stop that and let's move on until game seven, where the outcome of that will determine where we go with this whole Russell Westbrook and Chris Paul debate yet again. If you can't tell, I'm tired. I'm just tired about it. But let's not take Thunder away from Chris Paul, those 28 points I mentioned, and the Thunder's game seven forcing win over the Rockets. Let's not do that. It was a close game. Neither team led by double digits all game. And trust me, the Rockets had some moments where they pushed it, you know, seven, eight, nine, kind of held it that way, and the Thunder stormed back. A lot of that on the back of Chris Paul. Gallinari has also played very well. Danilo added 25 points to that. Pretty solid for him. For the Rockets, James Harden played well, 32 points, 8 rebounds, 7 assists. You know James Harden. And then Robert Covington with 18. And, of course, like I mentioned before, with that right step strain, Russell Westbrook added 17. But those guys also combined for 12 of the Rockets' 22 turnovers, which was probably the death knell and the reason why they're having a Game 7 right now. They did. Oklahoma City is used to these close games. They've done this before. They have. They know what it takes to close out. And if you're sloppy with the ball, that's one way to give Oklahoma City a, a, a easy chance at a win. Now, like I mentioned with Westbrook, because he's kind of the key person in this for me, he scored five straight points to open a third, and the Rockets pushed the lead to as high as nine in that quarter. But Gallinari kept chipping away, and Lou Dort, Lou Dort, who played horrible in game five. When I mean horrible, I mean three of 16 from the field and 0 of nine from three. 3 of 16 from the field. It was like they left him open, and he is a much more aggressive Andre Roberson 
<laughs> if, if I'm extending the analogy of swing men for the Thunder who play pretty decent defense but can't shoot. But this guy was like, I'm going to take these shots. And in college, if you look at it, you know, decent, small enough sample size. He had a horrible jump shot then, but he was somebody who could put the ball in the hoop, you know, pretty decently. Well, he kept doing that in game five. It did not work. In game six, he had a layup and two threes, basically made a personal 8-0 run the end of the quarter and sent OKC into the fourth with the lead. From then, it was nip and tuck. We already talked about Russell Westbrook's key turnovers. Well, we didn't really talk about them in detail, but I mean, they're everywhere. He had two bad passes. Horrible jump shot with the score tied at not at 100. His cotton shot in the mid-range that was like three feet short of the actual target. I mean, it was online, but it wasn't on target. And and that was pretty much all they wrote. Um, aside from those three players for the Rockets that I mentioned, Covington, Harden, and Westbrook in double figures, you're looking at Daniel Hustle 12 on 5 and 9. And after that, you're not getting a whole lot. Eric Gordon, man, 3 of 12 from the field, 1 of 6. He was horrible. The one three he made was one of the more crazier-looking shots to actually go in. Uh, ben McLemore didn't. He only saw three minutes of time. Jeff Green, he's been fading pretty quickly after starting off so strong. He's been so good for Houston, you know, in the bubble and in the first couple of games in these playoffs. But 17 minutes, 3.7 rebounds, not much to talk about there. And, <laughs> ding, ding, our premier scorer, Austin Rivers. Remember him with that 41-point explosion? <laughs> yeah. Uh, no points today. No points. And that was it. Free to Mario Carroll. That's what I say. Moving on to OKC. <laughs> Shagu just Alexander. It's been pretty quiet. Actually, kind of terrible, sneakily. Not very aggressive. Made some bad turnovers, in my mind. 10 points on 4 of 11 shooting. 6 assists. I mean, he was okay. But not really, if that makes any sense. Uh, Steven Adams, who... Man, he is such a weird one to me. Like, he's he plays differently than the numbers show in the box score, but if you see him out on the court and then you get six points and 14 rebounds, I mean, I don't know. I feel like he should have had, like, 15 and 25, especially with how small the Rockets are going. But you know what? Steven Adams did what he does. Okay? Dort actually played semi-efficiently, 13 points, 5 and 9 shooting. That's great for him. Five turnovers, not super great. Still getting into foul trouble pretty easy, but when you're sticking James Harden, that, that, that's to be expected. Dennis Schroeder off the bench, 12 points, not very efficient, 5 of 16 from the field, and then Darius basically at 8, and that's it for the Thunder. So, we have a do-or-die Game 7. That will be on Wednesday, just like we have today is Game 7 between the Utah Jazz and the Denver Nuggets to look forward to, so that'll be interesting to see where that goes. But if you're the Clippers or the Lakers, you're sitting pretty. I mean, yeah, you're probably having um, some fun times for your for your video and, and scouting folks as they have to kind of scout for both teams because either could come out, especially with the way both series have gone between the Jazz and Nuggets and between the Rockets and Thunder. Thunder, you could be playing either team. So that should be, you know, just a great old bucket of joy for them great old bucket of joy for sure but that's what they have to look forward to but right now lakers and clippers getting that rest because the west is going down to the wire so i already referenced jazz and nuggets that'll be uh on abc 8 30 p.m eastern but on espn because espn owns this block of games for a tuesday or today you have the celtics and raptors let's see if the raptors can bounce back families are back in the bubble they had a nice little video of fred van vliet with his children that was great to see there's been jokes on twitter that you know van vliet's gonna go for 40 but listen maybe he will here's my take no i'm just kidding i'm not gonna give it to you uh we'll have to wait until tomorrow to figure that out but again 5 30 p.m celtics versus raptors on espn 8 30 p.m jazz versus nuggets on abc primetime baby game seven let's go key for victory which one between Donovan Mitchell or Jamal Murray is going to go off. It is that simple. Aside from that, can Rudy Gobert come with another strong game? Can Nikola Jokic control the game from top down? Can they get any ancillary help aside from those four guys I referenced? But really, all lies on Murray and Mitchell, as we all know. 
They've both been on fire, both averaging greater than 30-plus points a game. It is going to be so much fun to watch them. And need I remind you, in the 119-107 win for the Nuggets, Jamal Murray at 50, Donovan Mitchell at 44, all right? It's crazy. These these guys are a whole lot of fun to watch, and we're going to be in for a treat. That is the hope, especially for a Game 7 with everything on the line. All the marbles up there. Let's get it, right? Let's get it. Anyways, I'll get y'all, speaking of that, getting going. I'm going to get y'all going. Thanks again for tuning in to NBA Today. Check out HoopBall at HoopBall Tweets. Check out me at CorbinNBA on Twitter. On IG at NBA Barbarian. And I will see y'all real, real soon. Stay frosty, folks. Take care. Salute. Respect. Have a good one. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation.